What is up, Houdat Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. New Orleans Saints had a little bit of a mini-buy, as people like to call it. Didn't play this past weekend. Probably a good thing for both of them and the fan base. Get a little bit of a reset, and they have an important game coming up against the Raiders, which we're not really going to dive into a lot for today's podcast. We'll do that a little bit later this week, but we do have a lot of fun stuff here coming up on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. And joining me for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast is the host of the Locked On Saints podcast and also a writer for the Saints uh, Saints Wire, the one and only Ross Jackson. Ross, what's going on, man? Hey, homie. Thanks so much for having me on, man. Glad to be up here with you. It's been a minute since we got to chop it up. It, it, it has been a while. And I'll say, you know, I say I tell people all the time, especially when the Saints are, you know, going through a little bit of a rough patch. I'll, I'll say dumb stuff on my podcast all the time. The one thing I, I'll say that's not dumb, and I say it on Twitter and I say it on my podcast when people are, are talking about who they should listen to and what. I always mention you and I go, man, Ross's voice is as smooth as Steph Curry's jumper. And I mean that every time. And I'm going to be validated over the next 10, 15 minutes, which is a good thing. So uh, let, let's kind of get into this, Ross. I mean, I don't think either one of us really expected the Saints to be two and five through the first seven games, especially when you look at the roster and, you know, bringing back a lot of these coaches who we've raved about for the last couple of years and what they've been able to do. So when you look at this Saints team, there's tackling issues. They're not really forcing turnovers. The self-inflicted wounds happen. And over the last two games, I think the frustrating thing now, and I hope this isn't a reoccurring thing past the next two, is the four-minute implosions they've had. Had one against the Cardinals, had one in the last four minutes of the Bengals game that they seemingly dominated. What's kind of been your biggest concern? I know there's a lot, but what's kind of been the biggest issue for you so far through the first seven games? Yeah, I think there's a couple different things. I look at kind of the fourth quarter as something that's been really situationally not too good for the New Orleans Saints, right? It's caused a lot of trouble for them. I mean, you think back to, not to take you down memory lane here, but you think back to the 28-yard Brashad Perryman touchdown. That was in the fourth quarter in a game that they were initially still in uh, against the Minnesota Vikings. You had the big fourth quarter 30-plus yard reception by uh, Justin Jefferson that put them in striking distance for the field goal that gave them the lead. Um, you look at the 67-yard catch-and-run by LaVisca Chenault. That was in the fourth quarter. The 60-yard catch-and-run by Jamar Chase. That was in the fourth quarter. So it's been a lot of fourth-quarter sort of mishaps. So big plays at big moments being given up by the defense, which was what we originally thought was going to be this team's kind of bread and butter. It was going to be their identity, right? They were going to be this defensive team to where the offense would either be you know, run heavy one week, pass heavy the next week, wouldn't matter because the defense was going to hold them together. And so far, that has sort of been my biggest takeaway this season so far is the defense just simply hasn't been the defense that we expected it to be going into this season. So you bring up the defense, and I think part of it, and, and I talk about it on Twitter, and I'm sure you probably deal with a lot of questions about it. How much do you attribute it to injuries, and how much do you attribute it to, man, they're just you know missing easy plays? Or part of the other thing, which I think almost got swept under the rug in some regards, there was a decent amount of turnover in the secondary. You know, two new safeties, you lose your slot corner. If you're kind of putting together, you're slicing it up and giving different portions of the pie, where are you kind of distributing it at? Is it a fair split among those three problems? What are you kind of thinking there? I don't really think that injuries, I mean, up until this past weekend, right, like things kind of changed with this Thursday night yeah. game with Bradley Roby now headed to injured reserve and all these other things. But I don't really think that injuries have been – too much to overcome over the defensive side. You missed Paulson Debo for a little while. You missed Marcus May for a little while. You missed, you know, you've been missing Marshall and Lattimore for a little while. I think anytime you don't have your number one cornerback out there, your defense is going to have a little bit of trouble in the passing game. But 
most of the injuries have been far away from the football where the New Orleans Saints have been struggling in run defense. They've almost given up. They've given up two 100-yard rushes already this season. They were eight yards away from doing it again when it comes to uh, Eno Benjamin, the Arizona Cardinals' third-string running back. They have allowed so far a 4.6-yard average per carry on the ground. This is a team that usually prides itself on being hovering around the three yards per carry average. So for me, that's kind of been the big thing here is that the run defense isn't stout. And it's a lot of fundamentals that this team has missed. I think we make a lot out of the missed tackles. They're right in the middle of the NFL when it comes to missed tackles. But beyond that, they're not in position to make tackles just as often as they are missing the tackle. So those two things combined end up causing you some issues. So for me, it's not being able to establish an identity on the defensive side, which used to be one that stopped the run, forced you to throw the ball. Now teams are able to move the ball, at least for throughout the first seven games of the season, uh, without much hesitation and without much deterrent when it comes to that New Orleans Saints defense so far. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's a great point. You know, we're so accustomed for the last couple of years. Don't give up a 100-yard rusher. Now it feels like, to your point, you know, Benjamin, who I'm, I'm not going to lie, I actually liked him coming out of the draft oh, process. Yeah, he's a good back for sure. Yeah, that, that's that's a really big performance for him, especially when James Conner gets ruled out right before kickoff. So mm-hmm. before we got on, kind of the, the big news of Tuesday, and, and this might not be, you know, breaking news in regards to everyone's rushing to Twitter, but Bradley Roby getting placed on IR. This is a veteran cornerback who we, we saw on Thursday. They were running out of bodies in that secondary, particularly that mm-hmm. game. And someone who you've mentioned multiple times, and you brought up great statistics with him, and in the limited reps we've been able to see from last week and then the Bucks game, Alante Taylor, the rookie corner out of Tennessee. Do you feel like this injury is one of those where, hey, look, if Adebo and Lattimore are there, they can just leave Alante in the slot? This is someone you've been, you know, talked about it a little bit. And if we're going to look at some optimism, it's been the rookie so far for the Saints. So what do you kind of expect in that regard? Roby to IR, what do you think in the, the secondary with the way it shuffles out? Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see if the Saints have what would now be their top three corners in Marshall Lattimore, Paul Sadipo, and Alante Taylor healthy, how they distribute their snaps. Alante Taylor has purely been a slot, excuse me, an, an outside corner throughout his collegiate days. I think he had played something around 30 slot snaps his entire collegiate career in Tennessee. So he hasn't really been seen as a slot corner, but they gave him those reps in training camp. We watch it during training camp. The Saints always kind of mention his versatility as somebody that can play outside and inside. So maybe they do see that for him. They have Justin Evans, who when he's not sort of splitting time with somebody in the slot and he can kind of get into his rhythm, has performed well there. But I don't know if that's necessarily the route that they feel like going right now, where they're also dealing with potential you know, stuff when it comes to safety and everything. Like We'll see what happens with Marcus May as the season continues to to pan along. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they go about it, but it does sort of force them to make a decision. One of the easiest things they could do is sign Chris Harris Jr. to their active roster. This is a guy that used to be, you know, he really revolutionized the slot cornerback position across the NFL. He's one of the reasons why it's a position now as opposed to just simply a role. He shaped something that people now train their entire lives to become. He's just not necessarily that guy anymore, but he does have the experience there. He has the requisite knowledge there uh, to be able to get it done. So that could be a route that they go is sign Chris Harris Jr. to the active roster. He's already been elevated for his three game day elevations and then hold on to Alante Taylor as really, really valuable uh, corner depth, which they need a lot right now, and also utilize him as a key dime back on third downs, obvious passing situations, things like that. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that shapes out. I know fans are tired of hearing it, but it's the truth. You know, after the Saints lose, the division standings really haven't changed that much. Whether or not fans like to hear it or not, and trust me, I'm not a fan of, you know, looking around elsewhere in the division when you're going through your own issues, but that's kind of the reality of the situation for the Saints. 
Last week, we're talking about them losing the Bengals. Well, the Bucs lose to the Steelers. This week, they lose again. The Bucs end up losing to the Panthers in a game that shocked a lot of people. Yeah. You look at this NFC South, I know it's flat out bad. I'm not going to start sugarcoating this division. It's been a bad division this year. And, and you know what? They're, they're kind of due for it. I feel like the NFL is cyclical in this regard. One year, mm-hmm. it's the NFC East. Now, it's going to be the NFC South. Are you more confident in the Saints have what it takes to turn this thing around and win the division? Or are you more confident in the fact that, hey, it's just a bad division if the Saints get a little hot towards the end, that might be enough to do it. Where are you kind of leaning in, in that regard? Because I know the Saints are saying the right things, and I know when you see guys like Kamara and Demario Davis step up to the plate, that's what you want to see. You want that leadership, but how much is your confidence instilled in this a bad division? Or, you know, the Saints are trying to get through things, and if they get healthy, they're gonna they're really going to put together a good product. Where are you at in that kind of situation? Yeah, I, I think I'm right in the middle there, and, and, and what I mean by that is that it's a little bit of everything. I mean, look uh... – if I'm going to be given the option to take a look across the NFC South right now and try to pick out which team has the roster to turn things around from where they are, the two teams that obviously jump out are our Super Bowl roster in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but also the New Orleans Saints. And now they have to be able to get healthy. They have to be able to get those guys out on the field. And that is just to say that with health comes improvement, not that they have struggled because of injury, because Every team has dealt with injuries, not so much to the extent that New Orleans seems to deal with it for these past couple of years, but even still, right? This is something that you know we see across the NFL as a whole, especially here in the, the past week seven, where it seemed like everybody got hurt that played football on Sunday. So I think that the Saints do have what it takes on paper, on the roster to turn it around, but we haven't necessarily seen the full 60-minute on-field product to say that the product on field can maximize what the roster brings, right? So we still have to see that come to fruition before we can really talk about a confidence level that it can happen. What the New Orleans Saints need is not only a win against the Las Vegas Raiders, they need a statement win. They need to win by multiple scores, or they need to be blown out by multiple scores. Like, it's got to be one of those things that just either puts a nail in the coffin on the season or tells you, hey, there's still life here to be had. And I'll put it to you this way. If you and I are running a race, Chris, and we have the opportunity, and we're running a relay together, right? And we have the opportunity here, even though we're in fourth place, third place, or whatever, to go on and not only win this tournament by closing the gap, but also go on to the next level of this, you know, competition, doesn't that give you a little bit more motivation to get it done? Because we're not just talking about today. We're talking about tomorrow as well, right? Yeah. So when you look at the NFC South being in in reach, I think you're not necessarily looking at that as an excuse to feel okay, but as a reason to improve. And the Saints have every reason to improve. They just have to show that they're able to do it. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. And I always tell people this too, because this has been a big discussion, because I was one of those people after the Thursday night game I actually went in. I thought the Saints could kind of steal that one against Arizona, and I was very disappointed with the way it played out, especially when they started off looking you know, pretty good. Yeah. And it's so hard, and I, and I was telling people, man, it's, it's kind of hard to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But just because I say that doesn't mean that I'm like, oh, that's what I want, like just go down in, in, in the dirt. Like this is a team that doesn't right. have the first-round pick. That, that's, that's even more incentive to uh, – Good no, point. <laughs> even when they have the first-round pick, I'm never in the, the mood for tanking because – we're sitting here trying to talk about the Saints. It's much easier for us if they're they're in things. It, it, no one wants to sit here talking about losses nonstop, but especially this year, bad division topped with the fact that you don't have your first round pick. Yeah, th- there's all the incentive there, and I, I think it'll be interesting to kind of see how this game goes. And I'll ask about the Raiders game in just a minute, but before I do that, we got the trade deadline coming up. If you were, you know, the Saints GM and you have the opportunity to improve a position group in this fun situation, what's a position group you think can use a little extra juice for the second half of the season? 
I would probably say defensive line. I don't care if it's on the edge or if it's in the interior. I think in the interior, or or you find a versatile piece, right? You go out and you get a, you know, one of the guys that I really, really like is Jerry Tillery from uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, who has a little bit of versatility. He's a very good pass rusher. If you can get the run game going with the guys that you have in-house, or excuse me, if you can stop the run game with the guys that you have in-house, right, and improve sort of the run defense with the in-house guys, and then you want to add somebody to help bolster the pass rush from the interior, Jerry Tillery is a really good option. A Naquan Jones is a really good option. He only had nine pressures last year as a rookie, undrafted free agent rookie. Didn't see a lot of reps with the Tennessee Titans, but nine pressures, four of those were sacks. There's a nice conversion rate there that you're not seeing with the New Orleans Saints, who right now are tied for the third lowest pressure uh, amount so far. I believe they only have, I think it's 40. It's like in the low 40s in terms of the amount of pressures they have put on quarterbacks so far. So I look at those guys, uh, uh, Deron Payne, who could potentially be on the move reportedly, uh, thanks to some folks over at the, at the Athletic uh, from the Washington Commanders. He's somebody too that adds a lot. He's on a you know one year. He's only got one year left in his deal. But one thing there is that you know if you think that you see light at the end of the tunnel, which as a football team, right, you should see that. Um, you have nothing. There's nothing wrong with going out there and giving up a day two or day three pick to late day two or an early day three pick to bring in a guy that can be a one year rental for you, sort of a mercenary for hire situation, or Defensive tackle, you know, middle of the road defensive tackle contracts aren't going to break the bank either. So it's not like you can't extend him and find a way to get that done either, especially with the way that New Orleans works the books. And if they have a reason to continue to shelf the salary cap the way that they have as they move forward. So that's probably a position group that I would look at. Yeah, that's actually the one that I was wondering, like, I, you know, when I'm putting together what we're going to talk about, I'm like, if, if Ross doesn't touch upon this, I'll get there. But I, I literally wrote in parentheses, I'm like, he's going to say defensive line. It's kind of been <laughs> surprising. Like it, we're so used to them being so steady in that that group, it really hasn't been that case. But I'll, I'll give a little plug here too for for Saints Wire and what they put out. I believe today I was reading it when when John posted like six potential options that the Saints yep. want to go on the trade market there, and none that you know we're going to see flashing on Sports Center. But man, it could really improve this team, and it wouldn't cost a whole lot. Which is to your point uh, that you were saying. On the flip side of that. I know people are like, oh, what if the Saints have a fire? So it, it, it's not going to work that way for two reasons. A, we literally just talked about them being in this division race. If they hypothetically win on Sunday and, you know, we look at the Bucs who are playing the Ravens this week, that's not an easy matchup. The fan base are going to do complete 180. They're going to talk about how, oh, th this is it. Like, let's make a run. And you know what? Funny enough, they'd have the chance to do so. If there was one guy, I'm only mentioning it because I saw Adam Schefter talking about Marcus Davenport, just kind of floating his name out there. Yeah, There's two parts of that equation. One part is like, hey, look, he is going to be a free agent. If you're not going to extend him, you could maybe get a good return. I actually think, you know, people are tweeting at me, hey, what do you can even get for him? I think people are actually undervaluing Davenport. I think teams around the league would be willing to give up maybe a day two pick for a guy that is a versatile playmaker. But the other side of it, which is kind of interesting looking at his contract he does have that dead cap charge of $7.6 million next year if he's not even on the roster. And I know for the Saints, would you rather have him on your roster? Because you're going to have the charge anyway than not. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing. When you just see his name get floated out there, I'm not saying whether or not he'll get traded, but how much of a bind does that put you in in the sense of, yeah, you could recoup assets, but then you also have him on the books. When you see the way the Saints operate, how much do you think that would play into whether or not they would make a move? My personal opinion is that it – and this is this is strictly opinion. Yeah. I don't know that Marcus Davenport is on the roster one way or another next year. So I go for the assets. 
Mm-hmm. I think you're going to you're going to end up seeing that dead cap situation anyway. You know, they they picked up the fifth year option on him, gave him an opportunity to come back and kind of prove himself. And, you know, he he has continued to be one of those guys that's almost there, but doesn't quite get there. He had a game a couple a couple weeks ago to where he won 40 percent of his pass rushing stats, 40 percent. That's a huge percentage for a defensive lineman or for a defensive end, for any defensive end and converted none of them into sacks. And so when you look at that, I mean, if that's what you're paying him to do, or if that's what you would be paying him to do, what does a second contract look like for him versus what does a second contract look like from somebody else that's very, very desperate at that same position? So I think in that case, you end up shipping him off to a team that's potentially a competing team and feels like they need you know, another edge rusher to help out there. And then you end up actually getting assets back for him. Then I think you take that. So for me, I think that that's an option. Uh, another name that's been floated around a little bit more so in the here are te- here are players that teams could consider trading conversation as opposed to you know any names that are actually floating around in terms of trade rumor conversation would be Marquez Calloway. I don't think that the Saints can do that though, considering the the health that they have at the office or the health that they have lacked so far at wide receiver. But if they don't feel like trading away Marcus Davenport, who who has a better future outlook, Marcus Davenport or Peyton Turner? And can you end up convincing somebody to give you assets for either one of those players? I think both of them could be players, considering that the Saints haven't even put Peyton Turner out on the field, but for a couple of weeks now, I think either one of those guys could be in the conversation. Yeah, that's interesting. And again, just disclaimer here, we're, we're strictly just talking opinion. Yeah, you know, <laughs> unless something's getting manifested, who knows? I, I really don't know. But it's always an interesting conversation to have. And, I, and I'll say this about Davenport. There, there's a lot of talk when people mention him. And I'm like, you know... All right, the numbers aren't there this season, but I think people forget how good he was last year. Like, if he replicated right. last year's numbers this year, I think we're all having a discussion about, okay, what do you do? Because I remember when they picked up his fifth-year option at the time, I was like, I don't know. And then last year he had the year he had. I'm like, oh, thank God they picked up the fifth-year mm-hmm. option. So everything always, it, it's up and down with everything, and, and it's all you know based on circumstances. So we talked about this division kind of being up for the grab, up for grabs. Saints-Raiders this Sunday. We could say Dennis Allen revenge game. We could say just Saints revenge game versus the Raiders anyway. Yeah. The last two times they played just didn't go their way. But yeah. these are two teams that, look, I know the Raiders won this past weekend, but no one expected them to just be a two-win team. And the AFC West as a whole outside of the Chiefs hasn't really picked up their end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. And then the Saints, we talked about them. When you look at this game, what are some factors that go into it? I know obviously one of them is going to be Josh Jacobs. And we talked yeah. about playing well in a contract year. I tip my cap to him every week. It has nothing to do with me having him in fantasy football, by the same, way. I just love, <laughs> like, I love Josh Jacobs, and I'm, I'm really happy for him because this is a guy that you could tell the potential is always there. Now he's just doing it every week. So in addition to probably trying to stop Josh Jacobs on the run and whether or not you could do it, what else are you looking you know, at this game real briefly? I know we don't really have the injury reports yet, so we'll try and you know keep it to who we know definitely will play or who's definitely healthy. What are you kind of looking at after this matchup? I would say one way or another health-wise, whether Marshawn Lattimore is in or out, because if he's out, that's big going up against Devontae Adams, who he matched up extremely well with in Green Bay or against Green Bay last year in Jacksonville. But even if he is in, you're talking about a guy who's missed several games now, right? So he's kind of coming back in and might have a a little tiny bit of rust that he'll have to knock off uh, and get back into rhythm. So I would say making the Raiders one-dimensional one way or another, ideally forcing them to pass by stopping the run, but can you also stop the pass on the back end? One of the things that gave the New Orleans Saints so many headaches against the Arizona Cardinals is that you were down three 
of your starting corners, but you were also getting gashed in the run game for 4.7 yards per carry. And one running back had 7.7 yards per carry all by himself in Eno Benjamin. So it's tough when you're dealing with injuries on the back end and then your, your front seven is, you know, getting gashed in the run game. So that's the two dimensionality that two dimensionality that makes things really tough. Oh, plus you also had a mobile quarterback, right? And Kyler Murray. So three dimensions really when it comes to that offense. Now you're not going to have the third dimension when it comes to Derek Carr. Uh, and you know, Dennis Allen is very familiar with Derek Carr. He drafted him. And so I think that there's something about the game plan that the saints might be able to whip up going up against Derek Carr and that Las Vegas Raiders offense, but keeping them to one dimension, ideally the passing game, but being able to keep it limited, I think is going to be the biggest factor for the new Orleans saints. I'm a little bit less concerned about the saints offense at this point. They've moved the ball pretty well. They should be able to strike a little bit better in the red zone. If they can get Michael Thomas or Jarvis Landry back, ideally both, but we'll see how all of it goes. But even just having Chris Olave back makes such a big difference for them there. And then you need to get Alvin Kamara a touchdown. I don't care if you have to put him in on defense and let him recover a fumble and bring that back for a touchdown. Get the kid a touchdown. This is ridiculous. And so I think it's that piece for me is, is the New Orleans Saints defense being able to continue to cap things off. The Saints over the past two weeks haven't allowed a completion that has traveled through the air more than 20 yards from the line of scrimmage, but they have still allowed 20 plus yard plays because of catch and run. So you have to be able to stop, at the, stop them at the catch point. So tackling all those things all kind of fold into what I'm watching for this week. Yeah, and those are all fantastic points. You mentioned the offense. You know, they're showing graphics on Amazon during the Thursday night game. It's like Bills offense, Chiefs offense, and the Saints are like in the top five. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> you don't really expect that. Uh, but to your point, though, the crazier thing is also with Alvin Kamara, what's going on? I tried hard last week to manifest it. I'm putting out, oh, he hasn't scored a touchdown yet because I'm like, oh, if he gets in, then we could finally say the curse has been lifted. Right. All right, but we'll wait another week. I'll have to tr- put out a couple more tweets. Before I wrap things up, though, Ross, I, I just want to give a real quick shout out to you and I remember we've we've chatted for years now, and, and you've been someone that I could easily just hit up in DMs and we'll just talk about whatever. You're and I know this isn't your first rodeo now this season. This is now you're just becoming a seasoned veteran at it, but your personal growth, just seeing where you've gone now, you're you're in the dome for every Saints game at home and you're making these trips. Just how much do you enjoy this journey right now and, and kind of the steps that you've taken? And and I know Saints fans all the time we talk about who's the best. We talk about loving loving Ross and what he does. Do you kind of take a moment to take that all in or is it just kind of living through it? What, what's that been like? No, no, man. I take that in every single day, every single day. Like, I, I, first of all, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And you have always been that dude. So thank you for being that guy and for always being in the corner, uh, being in my corner as well. I, I cannot express how lucky I am to be who I am and doing what I'm doing. You know, I left a career to start another career, which everybody thought was insane because I left a highly competitive career to enter another highly competitive career. But thankfully, I've fallen into a market that, first of all, has a rabid fan base that is incredible to be able to do this work for, um, that has a, a phenomenal media core that's all about supporting one another and everything. And so now just this extra layer is really all that it is of me like being at the games, being at practice, being able to travel, all of that. It's been really fun. It's been really, really fun. I think it does add a little bit of a unique thing to the show um, in all two. But like for me personally, like I love to travel. I love to, you know, do all this this stuff. So it gives me an opportunity to do all that from a personal sort of like pleasure level as well. So 
I, I can't express how grateful I am, how lucky I am, and also how hard I worked, right? Like, I don't want to discredit myself, but also how hard I worked to get there. But really, the support from everyone else is the reason why it's happening, right? And that's why every single time that, like, somebody is kind enough to come up to me and say, hey, man, love your work, nice to meet you, all this stuff, I make sure I, I, I take a moment to tell them. And I'll tell you, too, Chris, you changed my life, man, like, by supporting and investing in the show and stuff. And I can't do any of it, wouldn't want to do any of it without the people that I get to do it with and the people that I get to do it for and the people that I get to do it because of. And to me, that's, that's, that's all the same group. So I, I'm just grateful that we all get to be here. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'll remember the one thing that, that always sticks with me because the, you, you talk about a highly competitive industry. It is every time you and me have ever had a conversation, we're talking about, you know, and I'll even ask you for advice. The first thing that you always say is, everybody can eat. And I'm like, you know, there's a, lot of, there's, there's a lot of people that, that won't help. And that's fine. It's, it's, it's whatever it might be. You're always willing to, to lend a hand. I, I really do appreciate that. So once again, guys, the one and only Ross Jackson, if you're not following him on Twitter already, I, I really don't know what you're doing, but just in case you're not at Ross Jackson, Nola, follow him. I would say, go listen to locked on saints, but I see those YouTube numbers. You guys are definitely listening to locked on saints. I absolutely <laughs> love it, man. Uh, but again, Ross, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really do appreciate it. Uh, and for everyone else listening, for Saints Raiders content, I'll have some later this week and I'll wait to see how that injury report looks like. Hopefully it's not a CVS receipt again. And, of course, Ross is going to have some work there for Locked on Saints. But that's going to do it for us here. Stay tuned for more content on the Straight Up Saints podcast. podcast.